In the following live session recording, Cody Turner, next-gen leader at Church on the Square in LaGrange, Georgia, discusses next-generation remodeling, connecting the silos. Churches naturally drift into silos. Ministry silos, which are multiple independent ministries operating under one roof. In this session, the listener will look at the importance of identifying the silos and connecting them. Intentional alignment is a game changer for churches and the families entrusted to them. Let's join Cody now. Um, <clears throat> so my name's Cody Turner, as I mentioned. Um, I've been in ministry um, for 16 years, I'm always in the student ministry world. Um, and um, we could all kind of make another lap, I know, about um, scars and battles of ministry. Um, uh, we were just having a conversation, just some of these guys I don't get to see a lot until we come together like this. Like, um, how many aren't here? You know, like people who are in ministry and then, you know, like some life happens uh, and they're not, they're not serving um, and some even denouncing faith. I mean, it's un- unbelievable how, um, how good the enemy is at derailing those who are in ministry. So thank you uh, for what you're doing. Um, I'm very passionate about Next Generation Ministry. Um, and so what you guys are doing in different parts of it, from, um, you know, from around the world to the special needs, um, it's like, come on, this is it's beautiful. So thank you for, for serving. And then us really in this space, locking arms together uh, to see how we can be better together. I believe that. So if I can, then I'm just going to pray for us. Um, and then we'll jump through some of the content that I have for you. And then we can, uh, if you have some questions, we'll have some time at the end of this uh, to, to jump through. So let's pray. God, you are you're so good, and you you have allowed and provided a moment, uh, God, to this group we may gather together in in this space. Uh, God, I know your hand, um, Lord, you are divine in all that you do, um, and so we just rest in what you want to do in here. We we rest in um, God, you um, allowing us to be sharpening for one another um, the things that you have. Uh, Lord, brought this group through, the experiences they have, or the, the, the places and areas that you've brought me through, God, we have so much that we can uh, learn from one another. And so, God, I pray that this time would be maximized, that we wouldn't miss anything, but it would be fully maximized for your kingdom's work. Uh, God, that we could be equipped, uh, we could be better servants, um, and that we could serve the, the families, the parents, the students, and the leaders that you've entrusted, uh, Lord, to be alongside of each of us that we represent here in this room. Uh, that we get to serve with. Uh, so God, we um, again humbled by the opportunities that we have to just do anything for you because <laughs> uh, you're good uh, and you allow us to serve you. We love you, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so as we dive in, uh, I think really one of the first things for us to do um, is answer the question of why really next generation ministry, it's student ministry, um, kids ministry, preschool ministry, that's what next gen as far as like we kind of if we're going to put a title on that uh, I actually have a definition that I want to be able to kind of give you and it's one that I it's, it's I developed it just kind of myself but um, it's try to make things as simple as possible but answering the question like why is there even student ministry inside of a church um, because if you really look there's not student pastors in scripture not by what we do or the way that we do it um, and I struggled with that 16 years ago when, when the church was going to, you know, like, hey, would you come on and do this, do this position? Um, and it was some of my, my why of getting into ministry was I was asked to um, teach in a Sunday school class. The church that uh, my wife and I were attending, the youth pastor left. Um, my dad's a pastor, so they, I think people knew that. They're like, oh, well, you, you surely can make this happen. Um, I, was, um, I had a Kroger store. I was running a Kroger store. That was, that was my life in the business world. Um, and felt like I was doing pretty good as a, as a young man. Um, and they asked me to teach a Sunday school class, and I can still, I mean, I can almost draw to you um, that room uh, some 16 years ago. Um, and there was a young man on the back row, about five rows deep in this Sunday school class, and I watched the light bulb turn on. Like I saw it happen, and he responded and regurgitated back to me what he heard, and it changed my life. Like still this moment, that moment changed my life, and I'm like, that was pretty cool. Like I actually, like I studied something, I prepared it, and somebody heard it. <laughs> somebody actually heard something I had to say. Like that's, that's fantastic. So 
they asked me to teach that again and they asked me to teach that again. So I was like, yeah. So I found myself at Kroger thinking about students instead of thinking about my job. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's not good. But, but I was thinking more about the student mission world. So when they actually, like it kind of, it went well. And I, I asked to do kind of a broader on a Wednesday night with more students and I was all on board. So they were gonna offer me this position. Uh, and I started really then questioning it. I'm like, okay, if I'm gonna do this, like, is this, a, like, do I need to do this? this is it biblical? Like, how, like, explain to me, like, so that I can have something to lock on, that like, really God might be calling me into this, or am I just kind of doing something? Um, so if I'm gonna make a significant move like this. And then it came across as more of a philosophical reasoning, but it was in Acts where the Jerusalem church is exploding. Right? Like Paul's out, he's planting churches, he's going and doing his thing, and the Jerusalem church is exploding. And so in Acts 6, we see they're writing and, uh, and they're trying to figure out like, what are we going to do because there's so many people now coming. Now we have more needs. There's, there's widows and there's, there's orphans. There's, we don't really know what to do with all this, and things are going getting neglected. Um, so they kind of write back and they come up with this right here. And this is the verse that I stand on. The reason that we could, should even be in this room is like, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, who will not, whom we will appoint to this duty. So when there is a need, they say, find someone. There's a significant need in the church. Then find some people of like, good repute. Like, find somebody who's spiritually grounded and let that person or persons lead in this area. And so then I would ask you, is parenting something that is difficult <laughs> that's a no-brainer yeah. so when the church recognizes that there is a need for helping to train up your kids in the way they're supposed to go then they call on then people who are spiritually grounded they can come alongside of moms and dads those who are guardians over the kids and then we can lock arms with them and serve them so i believe that this is why i'm in student ministry because there's a need and the church responds to the needs that are around them, and this is why we get to do what we do. Right, so it's beautiful. So then, next generation ministry, I believe then, by definition, this is my simple as I can make it, it's cradle to college ministry through the lens of parents. Through the lens of parents is a perspective. Right, so we can, I can tell you when I went in to ministry because of that light bulb that went off. That one light bulb that went off. Why I'm still in ministry, I love seeing those light bulbs, but it's not the only reason now that I'm in ministry. I realize more that my, my job is not just light bulbs. My job is to come alongside of parents, right? Because parents really are the ones, right? They're the ones that God has given the, if he's gifted anyone with a child, then he says, you train up that child in the way they're supposed to go. That wasn't a church's role and so then to recognize what our role really is is to be partners to parents that's what we do first and so that is though if we can consider this that is a perspective you've probably heard this perspective is everything like how you see it is everything so if that's true then when we adjust our perspective then everything changes so perspective is everything. If you just adjust your perspective, if I go to this side of the room, then actually everything just changed. I can see things just a little bit differently. So if I'm thinking ministry from cradle to college, across the board, not just like if we kind of get in the room and say like, what can we do for students? That would be one perspective. But if I would get into the room and then we are hammering out the difference, like what can we do for parents? That's different. That changes. That perspective changes the way that you even approach what you do with a kid. It changes what you do with a middle schooler, a high schooler, before you launch them out into college. So that simple perspective change changes everything that we do. And hopefully you can see that and recognize that that's such an important thing for us to understand. <clears throat> um, I will gladly... I see like you're writing notes, I have this. If you want it at the end, I have my email address. If you write me, I will send you this and any notes that I have. I'll be happy to, to let you have it. That way if you just want to hear and not have to write, I'm not a writer, but it's okay if you are. <clears throat> All right, so the idea, no, so we, we titled this uh, just connecting the silos. So if you think an internal ministry, um, 
it's very important for us to make sure that the right arm knows what the left arm's doing and the left arm knows what the right arm's doing, right? Uh, and I think we are very naturally, that's just not what happens in churches. If you've been serving and around churches, really everybody just gets in and they just get to grinding. They just get after what it is that they need to do and they get the job done and then they maintain and they just make it happen. And all those people in the roles that they hold can be the best at their field. The best of what they do. You can be the best student pastor. You can be the best children's minister. You can be the best volunteer. If you just get in, you're just going to do what you do. And we tend to just silo. We tend to just kind of like, I'm just going to do my thing. And really not recognize that like what I'm doing affects what somebody else is doing. It affects the Sunday programming. affects the Wednesday programming. The children's ministry affects the high school. Preschool affects the high school. If we think of it properly. Like So <clears throat> there's some things that we need to make sure it happens. There's, some, there's a need for alignment, right? This flow to happen. Um, first thing that, these are just a few that I've uh, thought of and there's certainly more that we could kind of probably in this room come up with just a list. We had a whiteboard, we should probably just write them down. But in any ministry, communication is key. In any relationship. So if you think about what I'm saying, it's really the church's relationship to a parent, right? So, so in a relationship, one of the key components of a relationship is communication. How do, you, how do we communicate? How, how do the parents know what it is that we're doing? Um, how do we know what the parents are doing? Right? Because so, that's a two-way street, right? So that needs to make sure that that's happening. But what we found, like the church that I've been in, I've been, I came in to do next-generation ministry. And I came into a very siloed situation. Right? And so this, this is not like a... Um, everybody knows, right? So it's not me like ratting out the church because they were siloed out, like it was a bad thing, because every church tends to do that. Uh, so we were like, what can we do to connect the dots of these? Oh, man, because it was incredible, the fallout of information when a, when a kid would move from fifth grade to sixth grade. Because our children's ministry, they didn't do anything digitally. They had just been doing what they'd always been doing. The only way that parents got communicated to was from a piece of paper that was handed to a kid and was expected to make it to the parent. We know what happens with those pieces of papers. They get folded up, they make it in pockets, you find it later in the, the washing machine, right? <laughs> That's generally, I mean, but it, maybe it does make it. Let's just say, best case scenario, it actually makes it to the parent. And so that's what they get to used to. And then they move to student ministry who's trying to do everything, you know, next level. And they're trying to do everything through media and technology. And they ain't about to use some paper. Right? That's not going to happen. And so they're used to getting a piece of paper. And they're wondering, like, I, I didn't know anything was going on because I hadn't got any paper. Right? <laughs> so... Making sure that there's an alignment of like how you communicate to parents in preschool should be the same as you communicate to parents as a high schooler. Aligning the way that those things happen, you're thinking then through the lens of the parent, not the kids. It changes everything when you see it the way that the parent sees it. So helping that parent, because that's what we're supposed to do, right? Help a parent to train up the kids in the way they're supposed to go. Right? So communication, come on, how we communicate to them very important. Curriculum. Next one of these curriculum is something that we um, we found was we wasn't really we weren't really sure. And maybe you know, let's give me some more insight from y'all's perspective on this. But as a I was in student ministry for most of my ministry, just doing high school and middle school ministry, and there was never really an understood of like what should a student actually know when they get to middle school. So let's say they actually have been in church all the way through just really like what should they actually should they, should they know? What should we expect that like the knowledge of scripture, the knowledge of the Bible, the knowledge of certain stories, um, how to apply any of those stories, how to read the Bible, like what should they know, what should they not know? Um, and we can easily, if we're not careful, we can, you know, we start talking this through the lens of the parents, we can kind of try to push blame all to the parent, which is not what we're supposed to do because we're there to kind of shoulder the burden of that with them. Sole responsibility on the parent, but then we, we're here to help. We're here to do everything that we possibly can to serve that parent. So we found that the gospel project that Lifeway does has been a game changer for us. Um, it does 
This is not a plug for Lifeway by any stretch, but I think what, they, what they've decided to do is incredible. They, that curriculum in three years will go through the whole Bible. <clears throat> in three years, it'll go from Genesis to Revelation. I love that. That means if, a, if you were to ever have a family that would come and be in your ministry for 12 years, they'd go through the Bible four times. The entire Bible, they've gotten it four times in, in the time that like, that parent has entrusted you uh, in, in the ministry with them. So that's incredible. That's incredible. And I think making sure that that's happening, because we had our move up. Everybody had move up Sunday just recently? Like we did ours just in you know, a couple last Sunday. Right, my son for the first time. Whoo, that's crazy to think. My son is the first time in middle school. All right, he's a sixth grader, um, and he's in what I've my world that I've been in for the first time. But he moved from that that transition from fifth to sixth. Didn't miss a, a beat. The lesson that they left off on in fifth grade started in sixth grade. Same one because everybody's doing the same thing. Even parents, the adults, are doing the same. Thing. So how incredible is it that we don't make it to where everybody siloed out doing separate things and then you come back together in the car trying to say, like, hey, well, because you asked two questions, right? Everybody asked two questions. Did you have fun? What did you learn? Mm-hmm. Did you have fun and what did you learn? That's what I, I mean. The, it's, it's not in the notes, but it's an important one for me to, to to say to, I always say this to our volunteers, stuff like, and our parents, the questions that you ask tell people what's important to you. The questions that you are asking let people know. If you, if you ask, hey, did you do, do good on that, that test? Did you do good on that test? Then eventually your kids are going to learn, okay, it's important to my parents how I do on tests because that's what you're asking. So they're going to just internalize by the questions that you ask. So if you're asking, what did you learn? That's, a, that's an awesome question because they care then that you care about their spiritual journey. Right, so we encourage parents to have that kind of conversation. But when that conversation is, you're having to kind of bounce it around because everybody's heard five different things, that's a lot harder to kind of lock in on. But when you as a parent have heard a lesson and you know, and you can actually then get to be the hero because you've probably dove a little deeper in that, that passage than they did, then you can add to the conversation because you've just been in it. So, man, we're trying to set up that ride home to be a win so that, so that Sundays carry over to Monday and so that Wednesdays carry over to Thursday. So it's not just we're here on Sunday for you. No, we're here all the time, and what we want to do is equip you for those other conversations and those other questions that you can continue um, to be able to. And, it, and that has a lot to do with your alignment in your curriculum. It has a lot to do with that. Um, and your vision. <clears throat> Obviously also making sure that you know, as a church, so our side of this, um, there's some psychology that can go into this. There's so many studies that have happened, but just the developmental process of students. Like, what can they handle? The abstract, um, the, the how in middle school, and then the, the why in high school. Like, like, those are just knowing like, the vision of how this is kind of supposed to kind of all come together. That needs to happen with everybody in the same space. And it's beautiful that if you don't cast the vision, here's going to kind of give you this, uh, this thought, because we don't naturally dr drift towards alignment. That's not our natural drift. We naturally drift towards silos, so alignment then has to be intentional. Uh, we have to do that, getting together with the people who we serve with from preschool all the way through to the college ministry, the volunteers, whatever size church you have, Ever how many people that is, if it's two, if it's 50, it doesn't matter. This fits in any size church, any ministry, that we would make sure that we're in the same space, dreaming the same vision, getting on the same page of making sure that we are partnering properly, connecting the silos of our ministry. So that's an internal side of this. <clears throat> and then the silo of parenting, because if we also are honest, Sometimes that feels lonely. I, I felt it because there's some things that would go on inside my house, and I'm like, eh, we're just going to kind of deal with this. We're going to kind of handle this because this is my house, and I don't necessarily need to necessarily ship, you know, like, throw out all of our laundry. The stuff that's going on inside of my house. I'm a pastor. Man, what, what's, what's people going to think? So you start that internal struggle, that internal war. Of like, man, somebody's going to think that I'm, I'm not incapable of running my household, so then I don't even have a job. 
<laughs> right? So we're like, yeah, that's, that's a problem. Um, right? So, but how do then do we can make sure that we are making connections um, and breaking down the silo of the homes? Like, so we've talked about a little bit inside, but external silos, the families, the homes that are outside the church building, how do we connect properly with them? One, and this was a, took me a, too long to figure this out too long to figure this out, that I should be more of the coach, not the contractor. We live in a um, very fast um, society, right? Instant gratification. I mean, I don't know about you. I know when I send a text message, when it's setting, not sending, I start getting frustrated. Like, send it. Now what's going on? I mean, I guess I am in the, in the belly of this building, but... You know, like, when it doesn't immediately go through, I feel, what's going on? Like, three seconds causes this to start getting all antsy? Like, what's wrong with me? Right? But that's, what, that's our world that we've decided that we're going to be living in. And it's not that it's bad, but, but man, it's creating an anxiety in us that is unbelievable. And so, since that's true, and since I also know that if I needed a plumber in my house, I'm not just going to tackle it. I'm going to hire out somebody who knows what they're doing and get them into my house. And I need them to make it as fast as possible because like stuff's got to flush, right? I mean, so stuff's got to happen. I need you to come, please fix this as fast as you can. Please don't give me some window and I have to stay at my house the whole day, right? So, but that's what we also do. We kind of hire out the things that we don't feel like we're capable of doing. And so since we've gotten very used to people bringing stuff to us, Uber Eats, Right? We've gotten so used to that kind of life, the fact that that's even a thing, it's because we're not going and making it happen for ourselves anymore. Don't you know that if we're doing that with everything else, we're also very, very guilty of doing that spiritually? Parents, when we're called to train up our kids and where they're supposed to go, <laughs> we want to outsource that. And if I'm honest with you, there was a, many years in my 16 that I've been doing it that I, would, that I wanted that. My pride would say, let me do it because I'm good at it. I can teach your kids. And I'd say, let, bring them to me, bring them to me, bring them to me. And I became like the contracted spiritual leader for their kids. Missing the mark. Right? Messing that up. Needing to realize that I'm not here to do that for you. I'm here to do that with you. Right? I want to serve you because, come on, mom, dad, it's up to you to train up your kids. But let me help. Let me coach you. Right? I had these. I was going to set them out for you, and I just you know, didn't decide to do it. But I was going to like set because these little things right here, it is unbelievable. You put one of these in the road, it'll stop a car without even somebody questioning it. Right? All it takes is just like this orange cone. And, and if I see it, I know that that's not the direction that I'm supposed to go. Right? So like this... this very, I don't know how this communicates that, but it does. It says, don't go there. If I would have sat one of these in the seat, nobody would have for sure sat there. You'd have just been like, oh, that, that seat's broke or something. Like you would just kind of, whatever, would have just made that decision, made that assumption, and you wouldn't have tried to move it and sat down. Like it would have guided you. I believe that this is kind of more of what we get to do from the preschool. Like how do we help that parent, right, to develop their kids spiritually? An elementary world. How do we help that? And so here's there's something beautiful I think in what we get to do with our volunteers. We try to we ask our volunteers. When you said that you've been in seventh, eighth grade, uh, was it just girls or co-ed? Like, co so yeah. yeah, so seventh and eighth grade. If you've been in that role, seventh and eighth grade for eight years. eight years. All right. So you have an idea. Yeah. You have an idea of what happens in seventh and eighth grade mm -hmm. for kids. What a gift you are to a parent. Because think about it. That's what we ask our volunteers to do. It's like find a place that you are that you love and just plant there. Please just plant in that spot. Because there's 52 weeks in that. Right? So if you're thinking about it, there's 52 weeks that this is gonna happen, they get to you. And there's 52 weeks in that kid's life, seventh grade or eighth grade. Right? So that you then get to partner with them. Every kid's not the same, but there's some general things that are. And you're going to get to share with them. I'm going to get to say, like, hey, what was your name? I don't see your tag. Deanne. Deanne. So meet Deanne, Mom. Meet, meet Deanne, Dad. She knows some things that's going to happen with your kids in the next 52 weeks. And what a, let me help widen the circle of people who are going to be an influencer to your kid. 
because what they what they are able to face and the things that you've had conversations with in that time incredible that you're going to be with somebody that when they're like I don't know what to do hey Deanne have you heard about anything like this before chances are yes if not okay let's go through it together but then they know they kind of feel like they're resourced that that we're we're not here to do it for them we're here to do it with them right coaching them say oh yeah maybe maybe don't do this Maybe don't do it this way because that's I've, a lot of parents tried that and it didn't go well. Um, maybe try this. That's an incredible resource to a parent. And so I think if you're giving that to them every year, right? Another leader that they meet and then before they know it, they have 13 people in their kid's life that has poured into them. And the, and what a circle of celebration when that kid graduates from high school and all the people's like, I remember the 52 weeks that I had you, <laughs> right? I remember the struggles that was going on in that family. Right? So that. This one kind of, let's change, this changes up the thought pattern a little bit. So if you are responsible for budget <laughs> at your church, I would ask you in the student ministry world, in the children's world, what part of that budget is actually designated to equipping parents? Because if we're going to do everything through the lens of a parent, then there's probably going to be some resources and some equipping, some training, some something that you make available to parents. Right, I mean, this is simple. We don't spend much time here, but but if everything is going to go through the lens of a parent, I mean, your perspective is changing, and everything—if that's the first lens—then then when you're sitting down and you're deciding, like, hey, you've been you've been allotted this amount of money, like what percentage that is, that can be up to you. But the, I believe it should be something, right? Like, how are we helping? How are we helping parents? And that the 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 financial, the stewardship of that—I believe we're good stewards when student ministry actually becomes about parents. Uh, and that our budgets and the ability that we have to control that reflects it. Um, it says a little bit about it. Um, oh yeah, man, I'm, I'm quite passionate about this one too. Confidentiality. Confidentiality. Um, we are not doctors. <laughs> My wife is, a, is an RN, she's a nurse, and so there's some confidential things. Like She's like, ooh, I can't tell you that. That's a HIPAA violation. I'm like, oh yeah, so please don't tell me anybody's names. I don't want to hear about somebody. Like, she knows issues going on with people at the church. I'm like, I don't need to know about that. And, and she'd get in trouble if she shared it, right? Because there's a confidentiality thing that happens there. Ministry world, man, we've treated it with confidentiality wrongfully. When we want to be the 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 person that's partnering with the student instead of being the person that's partnering with the parent, then we start doing confidentiality things. I hope you're hearing that. Like When we try to be the person that's partnering with the student instead of partnering with the parent, then we think confidentiality should be a thing. And it shouldn't be a thing. Because let me, let me just put it in a real-world environment. If, if my son, say you're teaching 6th grade, and my son comes in and he there's some things that's going on at school, and he... And he just, he's, Chuck, he just starts getting really comfortable with you, right? He starts sharing with you some things that are going on with him that he's struggling with. And you're like, okay, yeah, I got you. We'll pray about that. And you're doing all the spiritual things with him. You may be even leading him properly. But then something happens with my son, and it doesn't go well. And I find out that this thing's been going on with my son. And then I learn that Chuck didn't share anything with me, but he's known about it for how long? I'm like, who are you? You're not raising my... That you're, he's not your son. Right? Now we have a problem. Right? Now, how is that serving me as a parent? How would that... If I was doing that to your child, and I knew things that they're struggling with, I knew some things that they're, that's burdening them down, that the enemy is using to be a stronghold in their life, and I've never did anything to share it with the parents. Man, I'm doing that parent an injustice. I'm not for that parent at all. I'm actually hurting their ability to parent their child by harboring the things that are going on. And confidentiality. I, I hope that this is the only thing that you hear, <laughs> that this gets out, that we can't do that. And I know, I know friends of mine who, like, this is still dawning on them that have been in ministry. I mean, we have to be people who realize that I may give, so just some grace on this, I may give a student a little bit of time to say that to their parent themselves. Give them the chance to speak. Like, okay, this is going on, but hey, look, I'm going to have to say something, right? We're going to have, I'm with you. I will walk with you. I'll sit with you while you talk to your parents if you want to, right? Like, I am with you. I'm not mad. I don't think less of you, right? I don't love you any less. Like, let's go, right? Maybe a couple of days 
if you don't feel comfortable on your own, I'm going to go with you and we're going to talk to mom and dad. Right? It's so important that we push for that parent to be involved um, in everything that's going on with the life of their kid. <clears throat> um, diversity. Um, huge also. Huge also. I mean, actually kind of late added this and I put some notes to it, the way that I wanted to be able to say this to you. I think um, diversity in ministry. Yeah, so humanity. Obviously, we know you've been around church a little bit. Like we have all been made in the image of God. Right? Humanity was made in the image of God. And if we only minister and only do things to the people who are like us, then we're, then we're missing out on a part of God. Are you, are you feeling that? So really, when we fight for diversity, when we fight for diversity, we're actually fighting for God. I feel like let that let that let let those lay, layer properly because because I think that that's an important important way to, to be able to see that. So humanity made in the image of God, and to only surround ourselves with a part of humanity that looks just like us, then we're missing out on who God is. To fight for diversity is to fight for God. Because right, I need to know people of people of color. I need to know how to partner with that parent. I need to, to make sure that I read books that's going to help me to do that. I need to be around people who are different than, than I am. I need to be around. Like, I know the ministry that you're in with people with special needs. Like, that's, like people are scared of that. Like, people get intimidated by that. And I could easily just go, oh, okay, yeah, you do that and you be over there. But then I am not then helping parents who are in that world. If I, could, if I just kind of strong arm it. The diversity is not just racial diversity. I mean, it's economically, right? So, like, people who make less money of most people in our church, people who are super rich, like, they also need Jesus. They also need help raising their kids, <laughs> right? So, like, how do I help that parent along with one who's going to show up at our food kitchen, right? How, are me, how am I being not just bubbled in in the parents that I can actually serve, because if we're honest, we all, I know we all believe this, but practicing this is hard. We have to be intentional. Because right? if we're not thinking diversity in the way that we do ministry, then we're siloing ourselves. It's only going to be this group. It's only going to be the ones that I know that are like me that are going to connect with the way that I think and the way that I, right? So just middle class, white people. Here you are. Let's go. I'm for you. No, that's, that's not what God's called me to do. That's not what God's called you to do. Right? He's called us to be for people, for parents, period. No matter what class and world that they live in. So I'll jump off that soapbox. <laughs> but it's so important that we make sure that we know cultures outside of our own. <clears throat> I'm say this to you. Like my house is an open house in our neighborhood. Um, and... This is kind of just break us up a little bit. Um, and the kids in our neighborhood know this. Right? They, just, they just come over and it got too comfortable. <laughs> if I can be honest, it got a little too comfortable for me. I'm sitting in my living room, I'm watching television and my door opens and three kids walk in. Probably five, four and two, like kid can't talk. They walk into my house. I hear them. I turn around. They don't acknowledge anybody. They walk to my kitchen, open my refrigerator, grab out some popsicles. Uh, start opening the popsicles. And about to walk out with some popsicles. And I'm like, hi. <laughs> I'm like, I live here. Um, I've only seen one of these kids ever before. Um, they just come and play. right? These kids, like all different ethnicities. Incredible! Like they were just like here. Hey, they know this house right here. Gonna is gonna give them like we give popsicles all the time. I mean, it's, I mean, it's obviously they know that, or they hopefully they they knew that. At least the one knew that. But but I'm saying that I want to be that. Like I want to be that. Was just that's just one moment for us that we had to like it's a little teaching moment. Then <laughs> be like, hey, time out. Like you're welcome, but please ask. You know, this is uh, we get to be parent to some extent, right? To to the kids, but 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 learning like. Somewhere they felt like that was okay, 
Like that's a, that was a different culture for them. Like I mean, like, but I want them to feel safe, um, and I want to be able to know them in in the world that they're that they're in. Like I want to be able to like, hey, let's let's engage in like, why was this okay? Like you know, because like I don't know where they came from. I don't know what what they're gonna walk back into when they go home. Uh, but I want to know. I want to know, and I want I want to be the person that can help that parent too. Like not just the ones that come to my church, but the ones who are in my neighborhood. Right. So, full sidebar. All right. This is something that we've implemented, um, and I think we got to be done. I don't know what time we're supposed to be to. What? That's when we're done, done? So, yeah. All right. Um, so, um, time, posture, milestones. We're going to break these down a little bit. This is... All of these things are ways to connect the church to the parent. Every one of these. So being a coach, not a contractor. The budget that we hold, being confident, like not holding confidentiality, being a diverse leader. Uh, but time, posture, milestones. All right, so I'm going to break these down all separately. <clears throat> Deuteronomy 6. Time. I'm gonna, let's read this together because God's good and his word is good. Yes? yes. Come on, everybody. How do we holler back? All right. <clears throat> Hear, O Israel... The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Y'all know that this is something that was repeated in the Jewish world, right? This is the Shema, if, you, if you, mm-hmm. you've studied a little bit, been, been in seminary. So that was something that was very understood, right? Uh, verse number six. <clears throat> and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk to them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be on the frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Listen to me now. This is the rhythm of life that God is calling for parents to have with their kids. Parents. This is a parents verse right here. This is the one that gets plastered on almost everything that we do. Parents, the rhythm of life that you have when you get up, as you go, when you go to bed, when you're in the car with them, when you're sitting down at a meal with them, everywhere you have an opportunity, what are you able to say to them? What spiritual things, what questions can you ask that lets them know the things that are important to you and hopefully you keep the things that are most important, most important Asking them spiritual questions, guiding their hearts, guiding their souls, guiding their spirit to, to what it is that God has for them. Right, so the time portion of this, if we're going to partner with them, every week for us, we send out an email. Um, this is just kind of how we do it. Uh, we send out every Monday. There's all the things that we can like, resource you with. And it's conversations, excuse me, conversations that you... Uh, can have in the car, conversations that you can have um, at a meal, and um, there are resources that are available for this kind of thing. If you're interested in like, okay, what what are those? I have an app that I can uh, show you that's free. Um, it's called Parent Cube, but um, but it it gives you questions, it gives you conversations um, that you can for whatever age, whatever um, whatever. Like I, I can show you mine. I have one in elementary and one in middle school, and it gives you specific things that you can ask for them according to their age. It's incredible. It's incredible. But, but these are, this is the rhythm. We want to help parents with this rhythm because this is what they're called to do. When you get up, as you go, like put it up, man. Put scripture everywhere. Help your kids out. They need to see that because they're going to do what they see. And so the more often they see God's word, it's going to be just kind of slowly embedded into their hearts. And that's what we want for them to see and know. That's who God is. And so one of the most important things I think that we do is when you ask those two questions and they're leaving, like so our Wednesday night programming, when mom, dad picks up the kids and you ask those two questions, we actually want parents to already know the answer. That's important to us. Because if we're honest and we don't give anything to a parent, we could probably teach blasphemy and the parents would never know it. We could probably get a little squirrely on some theology and mom and dad would never know it. We have to be careful. And I think that if mom and dad has entrusted me to teach them, their kids, 
the Word of God, I want to do that well. I want to make sure that these two influences are combined together and we are working together, not pulling against one another. Right? So we start pulling together, we're better together. Right? We lock arms, we can pull faster, we can influence more. And it's going to be like, oh, I heard my mom say that. I heard my dad say that. And so it gets reinforced instead of fought against. And so we want to make sure that we send out, and we do this every Wednesday that we have service. Mom and dad have already gotten the lesson blurb. Here's what the lesson's going to be about, and here's some questions that you can ask to follow up every Wednesday. That's time. That is time for the mom and dad. I'm helping mom and dad. I'm partnering with mom and dad to be able to fulfill Deuteronomy 6. When you go, as you go, when you pick up your kid from church, if that could just be a clause in there, <laughs> here's some things. Here's some things. Know what was happening with your kid. Because then, if you already know, and they give you, uh, what you talk about, Bible, Jesus, okay, and you get to prompt it a little bit more because you already know. Right? You get it out. And then they start, you realize maybe they've heard more than you realize that they heard. And you didn't have that before, and you couldn't have done that if the church wasn't a proper partner with you. Uh, very important thing uh, for us to time. And that happens every week. That's as much as we can give them, resource parents. Um, the next one, posture. Can I just interrupt? Sure, I, absolutely. I think the opposite side of that, which I've been guilty of, is not doing that. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the parents lose the importance of them being there on a Wednesday night. Mm. You say Alaska. They may ask them. Yes, do that. come on. Good, good work. What do you do for Bible study? Oh, I don't know. You know what I mean? you know, that's, yeah. yeah. So, parents so parent know. then starts losing like the ability to think that you're making a difference in their yes. kids' life. Yeah. So like what's the point? Yeah. Yeah, so good I'm work. Now is yeah. I haven't <laughs> done that. You know, I grew up <laughs> you know, being in church, you know, but uh, we got parents that don't come to church themselves. So right. I have one parent Wednesday night. Johnny won't be there because she he has to mow the lawn today. Mm -hmm. Like he wouldn't have missed baseball for mowing the lawn, but he would miss <laughs> you know what I mean? Come on. Come on. But, um, <laughs> but I've seen the importance of where I have failed to do that. And mm. I think that's where it's made some of that disconnect. So. Absolutely. When everything goes through the lens of the parent, that becomes then like the first thing almost that you do instead of the last thing that you would mm. do. Yeah. Right? Because I think that that is very so. Because if we really are here for parents, then when I'm writing curriculum, the first thing I'm going to do is write that part for the parent mm. first. Not make sure I have something to say, <laughs> right? Because I mean, I'm gonna think my, my lens of the parents, like, they, like I, I'll take it back to that one of those first slides. Like when I change perspective, yeah. I'm thinking about mom and dad. I'm not thinking about, am I gonna like a, an idiot in front of these students? Like I'm no, I want to be able to be here for mom and dad, because that's who I am first. Yeah. Right now, I, I, I do want to make sure we give good content, right? So I don't neglect the lesson preparation, the curriculum, right? I don't neglect that, but I make, I just, it basically just, it elevates the priority of partnering with parent to be the first lens. Yeah, so important, but yeah, come on. Good word, though. Good word, because they will, they'll be, a, they can be fallout when, if you don't properly partner with them because they don't trust you or, or they, say they don't see the need for the church. I think that's it. Yeah. They trust me fine. Sure. But the value. The value. Yeah, that's a better word. Better word. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, there's no spiritual growth development that's happening. So, yeah, why would I? Hmm. That's good work. Um, all right. Anybody else? Feel free. Like, please chime in like that. Uh, kind of helps me break up my, my thinking a little bit too. But time, posture, milestones. All right. So that time, as much. I mean, this is like as much as you can. All right. We want to communicate, be in communication, but posture, not as often. Right, this doesn't happen as often, and if I can, I want to help like, explain to this. Like, this is, again, a, the two-way street. Two-way street that happens with the idea of posture. Um, if I can define maybe posture for you, I'd say it's like a, um, a, a window of time for teachability. Right? A window of time for teachability. Um, and I don't know if I can, I can explain that to you. So a posture may be... That went when a death happens in a family, right? So that inevitably happens, um, and 
you then have the opportunity because for a short time that student, that mom, that dad are dealing with death and it's not something we tend to want to think about. That's something that uh, I don't want to think about that. That's scary. Like, all right, so, but when they are in that moment, that window is opened. They're now in a posture to be able to be taught things that otherwise they would just numb out and not want to hear. So I can teach kids then about brevity of life. Right? I can teach kids, help parents to have conversation a bit like what actually happens. What, what, if, what if it's suicide? Harder topic. Right? Ooh, all right. I now have an opportunity to teach some things about who God is. Right? I get to answer some of those hard questions because they're not going to ask that any other time. When 13 Reasons Why, do you guys remember that documentary that went, came out? Um, it was on Netflix. Um, it, it was unbelievable how often I was hearing about it from students. Like I'd kind of be in a circle and they'd start talking about, I mean, I'm watching this show. And I'm like, what is this show? So I went, watching, watched it. It's about a kid that commits suicide and leaves tapes for people and gives them 13 reasons why they committed suicide. And so it became a very hot topic. So we responded. Now, that's not just a one family posture. That's like a, all right, suicide is a topic right now. Let's shut some things down. We, we wrote an article on responding to some of the big questions of suicide, how to have um, like conversations, made counseling available for anybody who, they're like, oh, yeah, I've been thinking about this, and now they can actually talk about it because they realize how apparent and real that it is, and it's, and it's going on, right? So that posture, something that we find out about in culture. Um, another one, we just had in, in one of our um, private schools just a few weeks ago, teacher, like right before they uh, were kind of getting ready to come back to school, teacher arrested for child pornography. Oh. All right, we have families that are in that school. We have kids that are in that school. What do we do with that? We are right now in the process of trying to help. How do you talk about pornography to parents with elementary kids who are now hearing this conversation about this guy who's no longer working in their school? All right, that's, that's messy. That's hard ministry, right? But what a moment that if we pay attention to, we can teach truth. We can teach identity. We can, and there's so many topics that that kind of opens up. But it's a posture moment that we get to have. And so the way that this works for me, number one, starts in God's Word. Right? Starts in God's Word. Obviously, the answers to all of these things, God already broke it down. We're not trying to make this stuff up. Right? We're not trying to just like, all right, um, I don't, here's what you should do. Man, God's already told us. He's, like, we just have to be the deliverers of His Word. Like help people to make draw the connection to the problem that they're having to who he is, right? So the problem that they're they're facing to what he says about that problem. So we get to be first starting in God's word. And come on, don't. And there's like some something missing about people just being in love with God's word. I, f- I feel the the lack of that. It's like like. When I'm in it, I'm like, God, oh, this is so good. Like, why do I ever not want to do this? And yet I still find myself at times like, oh, I need to read. I need to read. Like, and I have to force myself. But like, why, why are we that way? There's the love for God's word. Because it is so good. And it's everything that we need. It's, it's, it's all that we need for this life. To be, like, to, to let all the anxieties, like, if we really want to be able to live, we're like, you know, be anxious for nothing. Like, yeah, all right, God. <laughs> but how can I do that? Man, if we're in his word, that's how it happens. All right, so God's word is the answer. But then I partner with a reputable leader. Get God's word, right? Because if we're honest, sometimes you can read God's word and be like, I don't even know what I just read. Right? Can you imagine that if I'm doing that and you're doing that, that a student for sure does that? <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, what am I supposed to get out of that? Like, somebody begat what? What is a begat? Right? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I don't even know what this even means, and so, so sometimes we're gonna we're gonna raise the ability for God's word to make an impact in somebody's life when you partner with somebody who can help them. Oh, let me explain this a little bit, right? So that's what like small groups look like. That's what Sunday school looks like, right there. Like God's word and a leader. Like you kind of lay those things together. Awesome. There's some, there's some change. There's some, there's some teaching that's going to get to happen. Somebody's going to learn something right there because 
Our leaders are fantastic. You guys are fantastic at bringing God's Word. You love God's Word. You love student. Boom! You can bring them together. But when you have that moment of posture, it's that trifecta moment, that little moment in time that you get when you have God's Word with a leader and then something happens in life. It's like a, I broke up with my boyfriend. I may not think that's as big a deal, but I guarantee you that little heart that got broke does. Right? Let me step into that. Like, who does God say? Who does God say that you are? Not what that boy says. And I don't care what he's, what's going on with him, but let me speak to you who God says that you are. Boom! It just brought life to that girl. Right? Like, dude, you just got looked over from this position. Come on, let me, let me, let me speak life into that. This is who you are. God didn't make a mistake with you. Right? Like, if somebody else made a mistake, that's on them. But you, you're not a mistake. God knows who He made you. Right? So, beauty of that posture, knowing that posture, and for get, getting parents to where they will actually share with you the things that are going on in the lives of their kids, and then the church being, being like, head up, eyes open with culture. Ooh, this is something that's going on right now. Do I know what our kids are actually facing in this time? Let me address that. Let me, let me help moms and dads because this may be going on in our house. They don't even know it. Right? 13 reasons why. What's going on? A lot of parents are like, we'd ask them about it. They'd be like, I don't know. What is that? I'm like, I don't know. Your kid's watching it, though. <laughs> I'm, they're for sure watching it. And, and sure enough, parents would be like, yeah, they are watching this. What is this about? And we're helping them. We're already on it. We'd already been researching and already wrote something for them to be able to have a conversation with their kids. That's partnering with parents. And that posture is huge. That time, every day that we can do it, Help them out. Posture moments. We're here watching. Um, and then milestones. <clears throat> um, God is about remembering and God is about celebrating. I think, and I say this with all respect, that if church isn't fun, then we're not doing it right. Because I don't believe that people followed and crowded around Jesus because He was boring. Come on. I believe that. I believe that Jesus was, like, the things that he said was often offensive, <laughs> right? He was, he was, like, turning people away, right? Because they were like, mm, that's too hard. That's too hard. I can't do that. I'm not going to, I'm not, and so they'd leave. But, but well, he would be doing things and saying things. I'm like, man, that's intriguing. This is, this is fun. Let me, like, what are you going to do? Don't you know that they were constantly thinking, like, what is he going to do next? I can't wait. I'm going to follow you. Let's go. Like, what you about to do? Like, you going to bring that kid to life? Are you kidding me right now? Like, Jesus was incredible. He's incredible, and he's still Jesus. He hasn't stopped being Jesus. He hasn't stopped being awesome. He hasn't stopped being able to do incredible things when his people get together. And I know that, and I believe that, and I think that if we kind of make him boring, that we're misrepresenting Jesus. And we need to not misrepresent Jesus. Like, when I say Jesus, like, I need... I need the right Jesus to surface, not some watered down version of him, not some messed up broken version of him. When people would see Jesus, lives get changed. Students and parents get around that and it's good, right? So knowing that God is about remembering, he's about celebrating, right? So he, I just, I think I gave you like three on here, but these are all through scripture. Believe me, like Genesis nine, he gives a rainbow. Don't you know now, Still, people who know Scripture, they see a rainbow. It's like they think back all the way to Genesis. Mm -hmm. There's that marker, that milestone moment where he said, I promise you. I promise you. So I love that God is a promise maker and a promise keeper. Right? Because, and I love that he makes promises because you know he's going to keep them. So I like finding a promise. But boom, there's another one. He's going to keep that because he's a promise keeper. He don't just make a promise and break it. I know a lot of people that like to do that. I've been probably guilty of doing that, but not him. He's fun. Let me go find some promises because I want to know the ones that he's going to keep for me. Right? It makes me get excited about him when I know like I, this milestone that he put in history. And this, he draws a line. He's like, boom, I promise you. I promise you. Right? So milestone moments. He got us for that. Um, you know Moses with, with, his, with his dudes, Aaron and Hur. Terrible name, right? A, a man named Hur? <laughs> what? So Aaron and Hur holding his arms up. Y'all remember when like Israel's fighting uh, the armies of Amalek and 
and he's got, as long as he holds his arms up, they're winning, and he lets his arms down, they start losing. An incredible, incredible story, right? So when they win, he says, build an altar. Build an altar right here where you're standing. Name it Jehovah Nisi, or if you, Nisi, if you studied real Greek, right? But, but name it, the Lord is my banner, right? Name it that. So every time you come by this area, you remember that God has given you victory in your life. And when you, there's going to be another day, years from now, that you're going to walk by and be like, oh yeah, God gave victory. Like He comes through for His people. Right? He's on my side. He fights for me even. That's incredible. Right? I need to remember that. What a milestone moment in, in my life that I get to look back on. So remembering these things and celebrating these things. Um, the Last Supper. The Last Supper. Now, again, I'm, I just picked out some for you, right? We still do this like you do communion at your church, right? So some do it every week. Some just do it occasionally. But, but it's one of the things that God told us to do, that we, that we have communion. And God, Jesus started this. Right? He, I mean, this was obviously was going on because if you want to talk about it, like in Leviticus, and then, um, he talks talking about the feasts. All of those were just markers in time. And he's like, hey, you're going to get together and you're just going to celebrate. The Feast of Weeks, right? Passover. Right? All of those were like parts of just these moments of where they just got together and celebrated for weeks at a time. Right? It's incredible. But there were, there were times that he's saying, like, make sure that you do this. Remember. Remember who God is. Remember who God is. Remember who God is. And he calls us and on that table, probably in front of your church, he says, do this in remembrance of me. Right? I was like, we do this because God's called us to remember. And I believe he's actually helping us to see that this is what we're supposed to be doing. So catch the flip here. This is not something he was just doing for us. It's something that we're equipping for the lives of parents with their kids. Right? How can we help them to remember moments that happen in their kids' lives? That they can look back on as a parent and be like, hey, yeah, I know it's hard now, but look, look, God's already been doing good things. Look back here. Right? How are we creating milestone moments? How are we making it a big deal that their kid got baptized? Right? Hey, God saved them. He's got them. Right? He, he thought enough of them to, to draw them closer to himself for them to be able to see their need for salvation in him. Right? So salvation, key moment. That should be in front of our church. Celebrating. Look what God did in the life of it. It should be an eruption of people. Like, let's go. <laughs> this is who God is. And he saved this kid. Right? He saved this parent even, whoever it is, that we're celebrating it. They were baptizing, making a big deal about it. All right, so this is just some. When a kid is born, I think the church should be there. We have resources and a basket on the ready. Kids born, somebody's taking a basket to this, this family. Milestone moment, boom. Let, me, let us help you remember this. So good. So good that we get to be there from, from that moment to 336 weeks, or 936 weeks later when they graduate high school. Right, so that's how many weeks they get to have with their kid. That's some rethink orange stuff there. If you're if you're familiar with that, so 136 weeks from when the time they were born to the time they graduate high school, and in that time frame, um, one of the ones that we're working on for the first time we're going to do um, is a, a moment that we're going to create for our parents this coming February is halftime. Halfway between that, it's incredible that it happens in the fourth grade. So when your kid is born to the time they graduate high school, you have them, the halfway point of that is the fourth grade. And it doesn't even seem right, does it? But it is. If you do the math, 936 divided by two, whatever that is, right in the middle of fourth grade. Don't you know that the Super Bowl happens that time too? Blew me away. Like we're gonna have a Super Bowl party and it's gonna be for parents to come and we're gonna celebrate their kid walking over the line. Of, of halftime. They went, you've had them for the, the half amount of time before you're going to have them again. So like, we want to help create a moment in that time for parents when they realize how much time that they have left, they're going to do more with the time that they have. Right? We want to create that moment. But if we're not thinking about making big moments like that, milestone moments for them in their lives, like, they don't have anything to look back on. They're not going to remember that God has been incredible. Like having them connect the dots. Here's some milestone moments. Yeah, there's all that time over time over time over time over time. But how many sermons can you actually tell me that you've ever heard? Right? 
But that stuff is happening. I mean, his stuff is God's doing his work in that weekly thing, but you remember the milestone moments. So if we make those big, you probably remember some of those posture, those, those shaping moments in your life, right? So like we're showing up in those when, when God's, all right, he's going to use this because this is going to be a life-changing thing that you're going to remember for the rest of your life. There's a tragedy. Somebody got hurt. Somebody, somebody passed away. Whatever it is, right? But those milestone moments also incredibly, incredibly important that we step in. Graduation, it's a party at our church. We make sure of it. We invite families, feed them, right? Give them things, talk to them. Right? I mean, speak over them. It's just an important, important thing. We do more, but and we can get into that because I want to have you, you guys have plenty of time to be able to ask any questions. <clears throat> that's everything just kind of wrapped up again. If you, that's my, my app, my email. I'll give you my phone number. If Bob Goff does it, then I guess I can too. Right? You know Bob Goff? You should if you don't. Um, he wrote one in his book. He wrote his phone number in his book. Dude actually answers his phone too. You go to Orange. You get into Orange. I am connected with Orange. Yes. I can hear it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's just it's next gen. It's next gen ministry. Yeah. Yeah. We're not solely Orange, but their stuff is what they do on the psychological level of like what kids can handle. It's unbelievable the work that they put into it. Like it 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 makes our job a lot easier. <laughs> no doubt about it. So, if I can send you any notes to this, if I can connect with you, if I can serve you. I'm, I'm for it. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm taking a Saturday to, to be here with you, right? It's because I, I believe that this is, this is what we're here on the planet to do. Serve Jesus together, because we're better together. Uh, and we got to break down the, the silos. So any questions, any thoughts that you have, happy to field any, or maybe y'all can ask them of each other, because y'all probably better answer than I am. Be <laughs> ways to connect. Different things that you would do. Well, like you said, it's a total different perspective when you first come in on, into uh, ministry because you always think uh, my first priority is youth. I take care of my youth. That's so right. I take care of my youth. And, uh, you know, what? I mean, 30 years ago when I first started youth ministry, you know, 90% of my parents were in church. Today, I think it's about 10% of my parents and my youth that are mm-hmm. in church. You know, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, like I said, the, the value and the importance. Uh, lines there, you know. Now there is some value to it because <laughs> when they get punished, they get banned from youth, they get grounded from youth group. For some right, time. right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> blows my mind. Blows my mind. Yeah, yeah. It does usually bring up the question though, like what about kids who don't have parents that love right. Jesus? Oh. Right. That definitely brings that question up. And I don't. I think that we might try to make that a little bit too difficult to answer. I think that, um, and that what we do shouldn't really change right now that conversation with that parent might sound different obviously more maybe a bit more evangelistic but like we're still resourcing them um, just like we would any other parent they're still going to get bombarded with like the weekly stuff right so now obviously we would celebrate if that family started those parents started coming to church and you know being a regular but hear me hear me say this because I think that is a great celebration of course we would celebrate that would be a win but it's also a win for the, the parent that's never asked the spiritual question to ask it one time. All I gotta do is like, ooh, that, they're gonna, if they use it even one time, we're gonna keep giving it to them, so there's a chance that they're gonna do it. And I think that that's still what we get to do. So it doesn't really change what we do for a parent that's not plugged in and doesn't love Jesus. We still just continue to resource them as if we should, as if they were. Not treating them any different than a parent that's all plugged in and serving and that makes sense? Yeah. yeah. It's like just, really just, just, that's exactly right. Like we just be who we're supposed to be, mm-hmm. right? And, and pray over what we send out that, that God uses it in the lives of the, the families that He's entrusted to us. Yeah. It's good. And that makes me think, I, I just think so much about what you just said. So my background is elementary education. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine a society that we are all saying equip the parents? Mm-hmm. So if they give an education, mm-hmm. the teacher, Right. My goal is to make sure the parent can hmm. teach their child when they get home. That's right. And then the church is saying, <laughs> we're going to equip you to do ministry at home. Yeah. I feel like all the stuff we're complaining about would be so different. 100%. Because a lot of people 100%. just don't know who they are. That's right. We, we, we've taken that away from them because I know as a teacher, you feel like I, we even refer to them as our children. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, that's right. Say, I don't say my, my kids. Students. Yeah, that's I right. My kids. It's my kid. That's right. Right. But so we've taken, we complain about it, but a lot of times it's because we've taken that. Just like you, when we now we're talking a lot about, we refer to the building as the church. Mm-hmm. 
and a lot of people don't realize they're the church. That's right. But we've done that. Mm-hmm. We always talk about we're going to church. Mm-hmm. So people don't know their place. That's so right. So when people, when you're trying to get people to serve, they don't see value in that because they don't realize who they are. So anyway, I just said that you're you're really stirring up some thoughts about mm-hmm. just how much better we can do with just speaking and calling people into who God has called them to be instead that's of taking right. that away from them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That that's just a different way of thinking. No doubt, no doubt. I I think yes. we've done the disservice by calling church God's house. Mm-hmm. Like I know it's like I say that in some circles and they'll be like, Excuse me? <laughs> like, but but if we make it God's house then we can show up and then we can leave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's right. uh, and that's a problem. But we're taking God out of our own lives. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like we like we he actually calls us his house. He calls me his house. Like I'm his dwelling place, his temple, that's right. Like I'm not going I am in I'm it's me. <laughs> I can't leave me. <laughs> yes. So come on. That's a good word. Good word. Mm. Yeah, that's just like going I think again about being a teacher as believers a lot of times we get to school and we leave God in the suitcase and then we, we don't do anything within that public school setting because you know you can't Right. But then when you leave you pick that suitcase up and you go out and you're spiritual all in these other departments but you mm-hmm. can't take it to work right. you know right. it's just a lot yes. yeah no doubt no doubt I like I that mm-hmm. yeah good work good work well was that 45? Is that what we're supposed to land on? So we're right right over that. So I feel pretty good about it. Um, I pray that God used our time together for you. Maybe some notes. If I can serve you afterwards, send you some stuff, please, please allow me to do that. Uh, I'm going to be around. So if there's thoughts, questions that you want to, if I can have a conversation with you after this. Um, but can I pray for us again? Yes. That would be fantastic. <clears throat> God, I thank you for what you have allowed us to just stir uh, and to think on. Uh, Lord, just uh, the opportunity that we have just to be able to serve you, partnering with parents. Um, Lord, just taking your word um, and finding exactly the way that you've called us to just be equippers of the saints. Uh, Lord, not taking their role from them and robbing them from the being able to uh, get the, see the fruit and know victories on their own. But God, that we would just, um, Lord, in every way, it'd help us to realize that we want to make parents the, the winners. We want to make parents the heroes, uh, God, because that's who you've called us to be. Um, and Lord, we want to be good at that. We don't want to mess that up. We want to serve you well. We want to miss the step. Uh, so God, I pray that these thoughts, uh, just even one thing can be implemented into uh, a family in this room or a ministry in this room. God, that you would use it for your glory. Uh, we love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, guys.